Well, hello, and welcome to the Partner Connection. This is Dell Technologies Partner Program podcast, and I'm Cheryl Cook. And today I'm delighted to welcome Heather Margolis, who's the founder and chairperson at Channel Maven, and also the founder and CEO at Spark Your Channel. Hi, Heather, and welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great. So for our listeners, Heather, why don't you just give a little overview of your career? I know you've been in the channel a long time and a little bit of your focus area today. Sure, absolutely. So I actually started my career as a partner. I partnered with one of the larger companies out there and always called the same person saying, how do I do this? And where do I get that? And I was probably one of the more challenging partners. But when I moved over to the vendor, the IT company side of the house, it made me that much more tuned in to what we were really trying to accomplish together. And back in 2009, I actually started Channel Maven Consulting, which is an agency focused on helping companies like Dell communicate to partners and then helping those partners drive demand to the end customer. Two years ago, I took a step back and said, wait a second, partner demand gen just seems more challenging than it needs to be. So I started Spark Your Channel, which is a platform allowing partners to customize your content, including video and webinars and podcasts, digital first, so that they can best share it however the partner wants. If they're sending a one-off email, if they're sending an email through a marketing automation tool that they already have access to, however that is happening, all of that content is tracked and the activity around that. Well, there's no question that we've seen advances in digital, digital marketing, certainly marketing automation, but boy, if you look at 2020 and now just even the early part of 2021, what a massive shift that we've all made to digital, you know, and you are supporting and assisting and working with so many partners. What are you hearing as some of their biggest challenges from partners? Sure. So I think in March and April of 2020, we were hearing, hey, you've done a lot of training on how to use digital and how to use social media. Where can I find that again? You know, so it almost sort of validated the last 12 years of my life. But I think another thing that we're hearing a lot from partners is Everything doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. They're okay being on video with their smartphone or they're okay being on social and reaching out to people without that sort of salesy message that we all sort of learned you had to have polished. There's a lot more authenticity there, both with companies like Dell speaking to their partners and the partners driving demand with end customers. You know, it's funny, you talk about authenticity. I could not agree more. And one of the positives is we've seen this humanitarian really touching side come out where don't sweat the small stuff, right? If a baby cries, a dog barks, or you're talking about how informal they're comfortable being now, at the end of the day, we're still being highly efficient and productive. But to your point, we're not overly obsessed, right, with the polish and the delivery as long as we can connect and engage. So one thing that we heard firsthand from our partners is certainly they needed more assistance, right, and help on how-to guides. Nobody was really comfortable in the early weeks and months of this on selling virtually versus in-person, and they all were very conscious of 
How do I keep my funnel full? How do I drive pipeline? How do I keep business continuity? So how do you see the world of demand gen and true demand gen customer acquisition changing? I think it's super important to still be professional and to be on video. In the beginning, a lot of people were hesitant to turn on their video. And now it's so important that people do get to know you and they feel like they're making that connection and they remember you. Then the other thing I would say is when your video is on, still be professional. I just would say as a seller, present yourself the way you would present yourself if you were in a face-to-face meeting. Now it's okay if you're wearing yoga pants below the Zoom camera feed or whatever video you're using. But I think it's important to let people know that you still made the effort to not be folding your laundry in the background. If you're on a sales call, it's also really important to be prepared. If anything, this gives so many sellers that much time back. So you're not in the car driving to the meeting, get on LinkedIn and for lack of a better term, stalk your prospect a little bit, see what they're up to, see what makes them tick. Check out Facebook and Instagram. I've had some great conversations with people around things that I figured out on Facebook. You know, I have two kids under five, although the second one turns five tomorrow. So (laughs) two kids under six. And I've seen people on Facebook with kids the same age. And I just sort of dropped that into conversation. I don't say I stopped you on Facebook and saw that you have kids or that you like to hike and I like to hike or that you have a dog and I have a dog. Just things that you can bring up in conversation. People do business with people, not logos. So it's really important for sellers to be online, figuring out what makes their prospect tick. Well, and at the end of the day, it's still relationships. Even though we're learning to strengthen and foster relationships virtually and remotely, but to your point, it is all about authentic, trusted relationships in the end. So, you know, we certainly have been actively working around an initiative we call Digital First. Now it's a buzzword in the industry, just given the realities of where we've all been. What does Digital First mean to you? And how can our partners? put that into action. Digital first is leveraging the type of content and vehicles for that content that we're all already doing in our personal lives. So video and podcasts and webinars, you know, I had to fix something on my car earlier last week and I immediately went on YouTube and searched for how to fix this thing because I I was sure that there was going to be content. And of course there was. And it's important for partners to be putting content like that out, whether it's through you or, or something that they created, where they're sharing, they're giving away free consulting basically, because at the end of the day, the prospect is still going to tune into them. At the end of the day, I still had to go to the dealership and have that thing fixed. But I think it's leveraging that content that we already feel comfortable with in a B2B atmosphere, video, podcasts, webinars. It also means leveraging different social platforms where you know your prospects are hanging out. So LinkedIn or Twitter, or even sometimes Facebook and Instagram and definitely Reddit. Reddit's a great place for partners to be hanging out and engaging with their more technical prospects. But digital first also means having all of those things work together. So I'm not going to create a video and only post it to LinkedIn. 
I don't know where all of my prospects are, but I need to be able to leverage that video on all of the vehicles that they may be checking out, including a newsletter or an email that I'm sending out. It's interesting you say that because the one thing we've definitely learned is nobody's in just one place, right? They hang out in many places. And part of our opportunity and challenge is to be where they are (laughs) and make sure that we're as relevant as possible. So we've all talked about the future of work, the remarkable amount of productivity and efficiency we've all learned that we can have while working remote and this idea that we're going to have a hybrid world in the future. The world isn't going to go back to the way it was when we left. And if I think about that in the context of our partners who have quickly learned and have with agile and agility demonstrated some of these new digital techniques Knowing it's going to be hybrid, what do you think the future looks like in the way of demand generation in a hybrid model, leveraging and maintaining some of these digital capabilities that they've leaned on and learned, as opposed to just reverting back to more of their traditional way of marketing? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And one thing I learned in March of 2020 is never give predictions, but... um, (laughs) I think it's important to note that last year, every event that our partners were using to drive demand got canceled and people still did okay. So I think we're going to take a step back and say, okay, which events do I want to start taking part in again? And which of these other practices, you know, leveraging LinkedIn to make connections, creating virtual events, creating virtual office hours where people can come ask me questions. Which of these things am I going to keep and which am I not going back to? I can say for myself and my team, we've decided not to do about 50% of the events that we used to do. I think it's going to be a hybrid across individuals. I think people are going to have more of a choice of whether or not they want to go. And I think this sort of like, hey, I'm going to hop on a plane and spend a week in this region and see all of my customers. I think that's definitely going away because most of your customers are going to be at home. (laughs) They're not going to be in an office for you to visit. I think we realized three to six months in last year that those practices were not going away and that we had to keep engaging on social. We had to keep creating great video and great content and being authentic. And I think more and more people who are now meeting virtually are doing so on video. I know a lot of people who have always worked from home feel like, oh man, now I have to turn on my video. I never used to have to do that in the past. But I think in general, there will be less travel overall. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think we're all realizing in some ways it can really be highly productive. And the example I give is, at least for us on the vendor side, I can put my best, most sought after subject matter experts, executive leaders, and really deep engineering talent available on a virtual meeting with partners, with customers, in three-way conversations when the availability of those people would have been really difficult to calendar and schedule. And now, frankly, 
I can get them in front of partners and customers and have highly, highly relevant and quality engaging conversations right. that frankly are helping us all accelerate and keep pace with this market, right? And the demand. So in some ways, we've taken a leap forward, I think, in efficiency and productivity out of necessity. But to your point, we've learned how effective it can be. And we will always do a hybrid. We, of course, will get back in person, right? We're social creatures. There will be events that make sense for us to do that or customer meetings. But I've been saying, I don't have to get on a plane and fly to London to make a presentation at the board anymore. I can do a virtual board meeting and get it done without ever having to get on the plane. Think of how much time you're saving. It's silly for us now to think we're all just going to hop on the plane for a two-hour meeting. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's work-life balance will improve as a result. So let's talk about loyalty with partners or with a manufacturer. How can digital first help drive loyalty? I love that question because it's driven by how easy you are to do business with. So you as Dell providing your partners with all of this great content that they can so easily drive demand with is really creating loyalty. If they know exactly where to get those videos that allowed them to get 50% more leads than they had gotten the year before, or if they know exactly where to get those social posts that are going to make them look really smart out on social, those are things that are going to drive loyalty. And I think on the prospect side, it just clicks. When you can tell that someone is providing you with valuable educational information, and not just trying to get the sale. You know, the worst thing I think a salesperson can do is call someone two days before the end of the month and say, come on, come on, come on, what's happening? For the prospect, it's about making a decision that's absolutely right for their company and content like videos and podcasts and webinars where they can really educate themselves before they make that decision is going to help drive loyalty to that partner who provided them with that information. Well, it's it's all about customer experience, isn't it? So at the end of the day, it is the era, I think, of experience. And whether you're a partner or a customer or prospect, we all want to be able to self-serve with highly relevant and informative info that I'm seeking and interested in, right? They want to know we get them, right? They get me. I'm kind of led to things that show my preference. So if you're a partner listening here, what would your call to action be? Where would you point them first? I would say, and this really hasn't changed in the last three years, start with LinkedIn. LinkedIn has become more important than ever because that's where your prospects, if they get an email from you and they feel like they recognize your name, they're going to LinkedIn to see who you are. So if you have a complete LinkedIn profile, you have a professional headshot or something more fun, but something still recognizable. I've had people say to me, it's so great to see you again. And I'll say, I don't think we've actually met. And it turns out that they just recognize me from my picture on LinkedIn. The other thing is to start prospecting on LinkedIn, but do it in a less salesy, more authentic way. Grab a list of people that you should be engaging with and first connect with them on LinkedIn before you ever send an email. Because if you send the email first, it's going to get deleted. If you prospect on LinkedIn, if you connect with them and then you start posting relevant content out on your LinkedIn, when they get that email three to five weeks later, they're going, I know I know this name, how do I know them? And they're opening the email. And then 
chances are they're reading the email and hopefully there's a video or something that's going to catch their attention in there. The same is true if you have video, post that out on LinkedIn first. Anything that you would send out on an email, that should be posted on LinkedIn first as well so that you're sharing it with a multitude of people. I don't know if people realize when you post something on LinkedIn publicly and other people engage with it, there's an algorithm where LinkedIn then pushes it out to people you're not connected with. So some of my best posts on LinkedIn have over 17,000 views and I only have 9,000 connections. So it's getting out there a lot more because it's relevant, because it's interesting. So if nothing else, I would take all of the great content that Dell is providing you and push that in a regular cadence. You know, you don't want to push two eBooks, a data sheet and a video all in one day, but the weekly cadence where you're pushing relevant content. So let me maybe change gears a little bit. You're an entrepreneur and you've been in this business for some time. You mentioned you have two young children. When you look back over this last year, I've been describing it as a very reflective year. What did you learn about yourself and maybe your leadership style and how did you have to adapt or approach your team and business when it's not like you're working from home. You're just living at work now, right? right. So right. <laughs> tell me how you adapted. That is such a great question. And it has been such a roller coaster. So I started out in the pandemic sort of like, okay, great. I can work from home. And yeah, you know, my kids are here and my dog is here and there's a little more background noise. But in general, I could still get work done. And then it just became such a roller coaster of family members that I couldn't get to getting sick and people on my team getting sick and injured. And it was like sort of one thing after another. And I think as business owners, and of course, as a female business owner, I absorb all of that. I'm sort of a sponge. So if somebody on my team or somebody in my family is hurting, I take that on. And I think this taught me from a leadership perspective I was always sort of go, go, go. And yes, my team, their mental health is super important. I want them to go for hikes. I want them to get out and take a yoga class if that's what they need in the moment. And it became this person on your team needs to take a week. And this person on your team isn't okay. And you need to figure out how to put, you know, clients are always super, super important to us. But at the same time, my team's health and well-being was also super important. So I think my leadership style took more of a, a what do you need approach instead of when is that going to be done approach. And it also, we also did that for our clients. You know, our clients appreciated the fact that we were being authentic and real and understood that they were going through things and could jump in when they didn't have enough resources. I think we as a community really sort of, especially the IT channel, sort of bonded together with what do you need and not just how's your business, but also how's your family, how's your team became more of the conversation that was happening, which was really heartwarming. Well, there's no question that, like I said, the humanitarian side revealed itself, the empathy. And I think to your point, we're all in this together. And it's like, how do we help one another? You know, and in some ways, while we've all been apart, I don't think we've ever been more connected, right? I mean, it just really, really helped foster 
frankly, a more intimate relationship with our colleagues and coworkers and partners and customers that we might not have otherwise had, you know? <laughs> I said, it Absolutely. wasn't that long ago that if you heard a baby cry or a dog bark on a conference call, people would kind of get a little flustered. Now you right. want to know the dog's name and you want to see the family. You want to see the dog, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which I think is all great. And I think that, frankly, we all needed a little bit of that. So I think it's going to be good. In closing, I always take a little left turn and I've enjoyed the discussion so much, but before I let you go and we wrap up, I'd love to have you share a little fun fact about yourself, you know, what wouldn't be on your resume? What wouldn't your colleagues or any of us know about you? So my fun fact is that I started my working career. I was 13, but I started my working career in industries people would not expect me to be in. So my first job, which I stayed in for four years all through high school, I worked at a small hardware store and I did everything at the hardware store. You needed paint mixed or keys cut or blinds cut or glass cut. I was doing all of that. And then my next job was at an auto body shop. So I worked on, and my dad and I, as, as a hobby, used to rebuild cars. So I have been under the hood many a time. And uh, it didn't do much for my social life in high school, but I would not take back those years. I think it's benefited me throughout. And now my, my husband, on our first date, I pulled out the WD-40 because his door had a squeak and he was sort of like, uh, what is that? And, and what are you doing? <laughs> My gosh, you really are superwoman. You're handy too. That's why you were going to the YouTube videos on the self-help <laughs> tutorials. Exactly. On how to fix something. That's wonderful. Well, I'll tell you, Heather, you've been a delight. I am super impressed and proud of all that you've accomplished and all that you do on behalf of our partners. So Congrats to you. And thank you so much for taking a little time with us. Thanks so much for having me, Cheryl. And, and I always tell people, I'm such a fangirl. You are so connected to your partners. You are so focused on what's important to them. And you're also um, really impressive in the boardroom. So thanks for having me. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts and insights. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and join us in a couple of weeks for our next episode of The Partner Connection. Until then, be safe and stay well. 